Hello, friends. Welcome to Village Jesus Christ. We're nuts for Jesus and just plain nuts. We're in First uh, Timothy five. Um, First Timothy chapter five. This is advice about widows, elders, and slaves. Again, um, uh, this is practical advice from Paul to Timothy, and we can glean some of the things in here. We should be gleaning for our own lives. Absolutely. Let's just jump right on in. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were a father. Be kind to an elderly gentleman. Amen. You don't want to shame him. Um, treat younger men, younger men as brothers, older women as, as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The brothers is part. The brother and the mother's part is easy, but the younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Man, we got to be careful of the flesh in this hour. You know. And I, I don't pick on the ladies here, but ladies, if you're listening to this, don't wear provocative clothing uh, to, to, to church. I'm not saying you can't dress nice and be, and be beautiful, absolutely, but be appropriate. You know, a lot, of girls, a lot of girls are going to church husband hunting and they're putting all the goods out on display and it's not, it's not godly and it's not right. Uh, and, and on the other side of that, men, <laughs> look away. <laughs> Treat the younger women as with as sisters in absolute purity. And this is tough in this pornographic, dark, carnal age we're living in. But but just trust God and ha- have him help you in this. Absolutely. Uh, give proper recognition to those widows who really are in need. But if a widow has grandchildren or children, these should first... They should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. Man... Um, again, there was a, a differentiation between widows here. There were the widows that had, you know, no family to take care of them. So they were, that had true need. But again, if a widow had children or grandchildren, um, they should take care of their own family members and repay their parents and grandparents for this pleasing to God. Man, the warehousing of the old and the elderly in this, in this country is shameful and around the world. And, and they, and, and, um, the age thing is just getting older and older. More and more people are going to be uh, approaching old age as we continue to live longer. We have to come up with a way of taking care. And again, we know uh, fathers and mothers both work. It's hard for a parent to stay at home. Alzheimer's is a ch- is a challenge when someone is, gets dementia. It's hard. So these are not, and I'm not Pollyanning any of this. This is these are tough issues. But we should ask God if we have family members that are struggling. Like I said, like I've said before, I got a father. That's 81, a mother 78, and every other month I try to go to one or the other of the houses and try to help. And so we should be taking care of our own family members where we can. Verse 5 The widow who is really in need is left all alone and left all alone, puts her hope in God, and continues to pray night and day to ask God for help. So it's a real faith builder for the widows that have no help. I mean, it's and that's why the church comes alongside, but they're just trusting God. Uh, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. That's powerful. Man, if it's just party time as a widow, man, you're already dead because you're spiritually dead. Amen. Uh, she's dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too so that no one may be open to blame. Again, Paul is telling Timothy, share all this. Make sure you share this with the others. If anyone does not, oh, now this is powerful. This is profound. And man, this is one of my favorite verses. Um, it's verse, uh, it's verse eight, chapter five, verse eight. Now you listen to the, the power of this verse 
If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's a test of your faith. If you don't care about your family members, you're probably not saved. Jesus dealt with this issue with the Pharisees. He said, you know, you, you know, um, you tell people, you know, that the, that the offering that they bring is korban or a gift devoted to God, and they put it on the altar, but then you don't allow them to, allow them to do anything for their mother or father. So the, the Pharisees are putting themselves above God's word and saying, look, you know, you, you give what we want, what we need here at the temple. And if you take care of your family, well, okay. But if you can't, the temple's the most important part. It's not. Let me tell you this. Let me make this clear. And I want you guys to be hear me clearly on this. And again, I'm not pointing fingers at any of you. You know, I'm just, I would say you, but I'm not, you know, don't, don't take, the, don't get mad at me. <laughs> this is, a, if you're not doing this, but if you are doing this, take heed. If you're going to church and you're tied in your 10 or 15% or whatever you're giving God and your family members are starving, you're worse than an unbeliever. If you got a mother and father who can't live, who can't afford groceries, but you're giving money to the church, you're in sin. Your immediate family members come first. They come before the altar. They come before the church. Paul says this clearly here. Listen to this again. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, father and mother, maybe brothers and sisters, husband, wife, that kind of thing, he or children, he has denied the faith. You deny the faith by not taking care of your immediate family members. And you're worse than an unbeliever, which means you're not saved. Man, this crap and... This is why I detest the prosperity movement so much because they put so much emphasis on money and personal gain in the kingdom. It isn't about us. God has no problem prospering you because as he prospers you, if you're generous, you prosper others. That's a good thing. But if you're heaping up your own, all your money on your own lust or you're a part of a church that tells you you have to... A friend of mine had a... Four, they, they demanded a 40% tithe on his, on his money. 40%. You think he could have helped his family members out given 40%? Man, the tithe, I don't want to get into the tithe. I'm not going to talk about the tithe because it's controversial. But let me tell you something. If your family members aren't taken care of before your church, you're in sin. Stop doing that. You make sure your family members, especially your father and your mother, that's, that's the Ten Commandments. You honor your father and your mother. If your father and mother are going hungry and you're giving your money to the church, you need to stop doing that. You need to make sure your, your family members, your father and your mother are fed and clothed and housed. Make sure they're taken care of. Again, I know there's problems. People got, you know, fathers and, fathers and children hating each other. You know what I'm saying here. I'm balance all this out with what I'm saying. I'm, and I'm not doing this in condemnation. But if you have a relationship with your parents and you can have an active part in their lives and you're not making sure they're taken care of, you've got a problem. And you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. This verse is powerful because so many people get caught up in the legalistic righteousness of tithing and don't care about their own family members. Like I said, Jesus said, you know, if you're giving money and putting money on the altar, but your family isn't taken care of, you don't, you're not, you're not allowed, the, the Pharisees aren't letting you take care of your family. You're just, these are rules made by men, and you've denied, and you're putting yourself above God's word. I don't mean to belabor this point, but this really bothers me, because there's a lot of people sitting in church who don't give a crap about their family. They've denied the faith, and that's, it's not going to be fun for them when they stand before the Lord. <laughs> not at all. Again, I don't do any condemnation, but... You know, again, we all need to examine our own heart in this to see if we're acting right towards our family members. It's part of our ministry. It's part of our faith, our faith and deeds. You know, James, faith without deeds is dead. Part of your deeds and faith is making sure your family is okay. 
You don't understand. Balance all of them out. Pray about this. It's important. No widow may be put on the when it says you're worse than an unbeliever. That's that's important. You have to cover that. No widow may be put on a list of widows unless she's over 60 and has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, and helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. So there was a list here. If There was a widow's list, and they had to pass a certain test here. You know, there was you, you just couldn't put any widow on the list. They had to be a truly godly widow to be put on the list. And it was probably a list for them that needed help that had no other support. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. So these, the first list was widows that are not going to remarry. They're, the, they're on a widow's list. and they're not, So they're, these are widows totally devoted to God, the first, the first list. Because it talks about sensuality or sexuality here in the second list, verse 11. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. So these were widows that were pledged to God. Okay, and he's saying you can't put the younger widows on this list because, and again, that's why he said they had to be over 60, you know, so they'd be getting up in age. Again, uh, besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but they are also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. So Paul's telling them, look, if you're a younger widow, marry if you can. Marry if you can. You don't want to become a busybody. You don't want to go from house to house gossiping. You don't want to become, you don't want to become a stench, you know, where it's just, you're, you're in darkness, you know, as a widow, just hanging out, just getting into trouble. You know, idleness is the devil's playground, you know, and, and when we're idle, we tend to get in trouble. And these widows were getting, and these younger widows were getting in trouble. So I counsel younger, verse 14, so I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes and give the enemy no opportunity for slander. See? These other younger widows that were getting to all this mischief, they were bringing, slander was coming upon the church because of their mischief. So Paul was saying, look, man, you get married, have kids, manage your homes, and give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Yeah, again, just, it just you know, shut the door on the devil. He has a harder time getting in. Um, some, in fact, have already turned away to follow Satan. So some of these widows, you know, who had made a pledge to, get to Christ, you know, they just walked away and it turned to follow Satan. So, again, darkness, darkness. Again, so, again, Paul giving Timothy some good, good advice here, how to manage the church. If any woman who is a believer has a widow in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Again, helping your immediate family, amen, including widows. The elders who direct the affairs, verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. So elders were preaching and teaching, and they were worthy of double honor. And they're those ones that they're, they were like right, they were right equal with the pastor. They were helping run the church, helping manage the church. They could even preach and teach, so they were like the pastor. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against, so... Again, do not muzzle the ox while it's training the grain and the workers deserves wages. These men deserved, you know, what the wages that were coming to them because they were managing the church well. Do not, verse 19, do not entertain an accusation against all unless brought by two or three witnesses. Again, and you could not, sing, a single accusation could not be entertained against an elder. It had to have two or three witnesses. Man, the elders were held to a very, very high standard. And if you're an elder, you are held to a high standard. 
This is not a game, but God put a lot on these elders. I mean, these guys were, you know, these guys were with the pastor managing the affairs of the church, so the church ran well. You see how God's government works. God's government works if everybody's doing their part. Um, those who sin are those elders who sin are to be rebuked publicly, so that others may take warning. Again, you couldn't let an elder. If an elder starts straying, you had to get right on top of him quick. You couldn't play no games. Spiritual discipline had to come to him. I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. So that was verse 21. So all these these first 20 verses, again, they weren't verses originally that we've done that ourselves, but these first 20 verses, Paul says, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels. I like that, and the elect angels. It's cool he included them. <laughs> That's right, boys, including you. Amen. <laughs> Those are my brothers, man. I can't wait to meet the boys. To keep these instructions without partiality, no partiality and no favoritism. Uh, verse 22, do not be hasting on the laying of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Man, that's simple, man. Again, laying on of hands, I don't know if that was for blessing or for healing. They said, don't be hasty. Make sure you're doing this in the right way. And don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Um, we're almost done. Uh, it's 13 minutes in. Good. Short day today. Um, stop drinking wa only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Now, this is controversial. People that believe... And the healing, and, and I believe, you know, Matthew 8 or something says that Jesus carried away our infirmities and took away our diseases. I believe in, in, in spiritual healing. I, I do believe in it. Again, I, I've, I've, I've seen people healed, absolutely. But listen to what Paul said. But there are, there's a teaching in the body of Christ that, you know, if you're one of these people, that you don't get sick. You know, and here's Paul telling Timothy, he says, stop drinking only water, use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So, so Timothy, who was blessed by, blessed by Paul, who, who uh, Paul sent a letter to, had frequent illnesses. It's not a sign of a lack of faith if you have a frequent illness. But Timothy most likely didn't have a lack of faith. But again, we get attacked by the devil in different ways. And, and he, Paul was saying, he, and he was fasting with water, whatever he's doing here with water. And Paul was instructing him, drink some wine. You need a little wine. That water just isn't good. You know, he might have had a you know, gastrointestinal problem, whatever. But um, you can see, again, illness is not a sign of a lack of faith. <laughs> if, you know, a friend of me, Dwight and me talked about this, you know, these churches, you go there, if you only had more faith, you would have been healed. I want to punch those people right in the face. They ruin whole people. They ruin people's lives. When you, put, when you say something like that, that condemnation that comes with that from the devil, you should never say, you should never have a, an act, accusing, a pointing finger at someone. Like, the, like Job's three friends, you know. You know, Job, you must have sinned. Well, Job hadn't sinned. Job was blameless. He hadn't sinned. This was a trial from God between God and the devil, which they had no, no understanding of. And they kept opening their stupid mouths. And, they, and the book of Job was a lot longer than it needed to be because Job had to defend himself for 20 chapters in it. <laughs> and Job got off screwed up because of these people. He thought he had to defend himself, and God had to show up and go, Job, 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 where were you? You know, God's just corrected Job because of the idiots confusing him. But man, man, when someone's struggling with an illness, a long-term illness in church, be kind to them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Love on them. Feed them if they need some help. Take care of their needs. 
Don't accuse them of having a lack of faith. That is wickedness. That's the devil. The devil is the accuser, brother. If you're accusing somebody of a lack of faith, you're doing the devil's work. You're accusing your brother unjustly. They may, they may be as blameless as Job, but they're going through a trial like Job when Job nearly died in his trial, but he was still blameless. I know I get excited about this, but this thing with these people pointing fingers at people for a lack of faith and not being healed for their lack of faith, that's wickedness. That is wickedness. And if you're one of those people, listen to this, you repent. You don't be pointing fingers at people and saying you have a lack of faith. How do you know they have a lack? Did God tell you they had a lack of faith? Crazy stuff in the body of Christ. We wonder why the body of Christ is so messed up. Because we're going around doing the devil's work in the name of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just Some of this stuff just... Because the condemnation, Romans 8, 8 verse 1 says, there's therefore no condemnation of those in Christ. We're not under condemnation. We've been free from condemnation. Jesus took our condemnation on the cross. We shouldn't be condemning each other because we don't fully understand why someone didn't get healed. You know, not everybody gets healed. Some people die. You read, read Hebrews 11. It talks about a bunch of people died in faith in there. They didn't receive the promise till we came along. <laughs> Sickness is not a sign of a lack of faith. Don't forget that. Again, enough. I'm sorry I belabored the point, John. It's one of my pet peeves. So I, got, I ran across a pet peeve day. Sorry. Apologize. This thing went longer because of a pet peeve today. Verse 24. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those... Uh, that are not cannot be hidden. I'm not fully understanding that. Again, some men are. It's obvious they're a sinner. You know, if you're a drunkard, it's obvious. You know, it's going ahead of you. But again, reaching the place of judgment for them, uh, but um, ahead of them, the sins of others trail behind them. So I guess trailing behind them means some people's sin is hidden. Some people's sin is in the open. Like I said, being a drunkard. You know, like the dude on the Andy Griffith show, whatever his name was, Otis. You know, he was in sin being a drunkard. Okay, it was in front of everybody. But other people are in sin that's hidden. And so, in the same way, good deeds are obvious, even those that cannot, that, uh, that are not, that cannot be hidden. So, again, there we go. 18 minutes. Sorry about the belaboring of points today, but this made some good points. There's some good scripture in here, and I just wanted to cover some stuff, you know, that needs to be covered because... There's a lot of condemnation in the body of Christ. There's a lot of people not taking care of their own family members. And again, I, you, again, balance everything I say out. I know we can't always help our family members. Some of our family members we're at odds with. Some fathers and mothers and children don't get along and don't even talk to each other. So there are there's, there's, there's different ways of seeing this, and there's different ways people are experiencing their family members. But if you have a relationship with your family member, please take care of them. Please make sure they're fed and clothed and housed, if at all possible. Again, sorry to go back to that one, but that one especially, because it's such a powerful point about denying the faith. If you don't take care of your immediate family, that's Paul just slams that one. Bam. Just like that. No mincing words there. So anyway, love, love. You can't get enough of you. See you tomorrow. It'll be Revelation Wednesday. We're going to be doing Revelation chapter one. Appreciate you. Stay cool in this hot weather. Man, it's hot out there. Love you.